Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it's not a suggestion. It is the greatest commandment out of all of it. Nothing is more important. If you do this, you fulfill your primary purpose in life. Here's a definition that I want to use today. Worship is expressing your love to God. Worship is expressing your love to God. Loving God is what worship is all about. Worship is the habit of continually focusing our lives and our minds on God. Our love for God is expressed by living a life of worship. Now, Jesus is very specific about how we should show our love to God. Love God passionately with all your heart and soul. Passion is a strong emotion that has an overpowering or compelling effect. Passion is what comes from your heart and your soul. The fact is, God is passionate about you. I, I like the words of some of the songs we were singing this morning as I, as I saw that. Some of you might think that God's too busy running the universe to care about you. Sometimes we get in trouble and we think we're all alone. You may doubt that he even knows your name. But the Bible tells us that God's attention and his affections are constantly focused on us. There's nothing hidden about your life from God's sight. He's acquainted with every area of your life, and he still loves you so much. Worship is always a response. We love God because he first loved us. In addition, when we show our love to God, we love God thoughtfully with all our mind. In other words, God wants you to think through. He's not afraid of your, your philosophical wanderings. He wants you to think it through. If worship is mindless, then it's kind of meaningless. God does not want us to, to love him without thinking about exactly what that means. It takes energy to focus your mind on God. You, you don't worship God with your mind in neutral. The tendency is for our minds to drift, especially with all the devices we have. Have you ever been watching a TV show, someone else comes into the room, they ask what happened, and you have no idea because you've been doing something else? Or have you ever been watching a sporting event and you don't even know the score? You've been doing something else. Have you ever left a church service and you had no idea what the preacher said? Are you even aware of what I just asked you? <laughs> it takes energy and attention to stay focused on God. You know why God wants your focus? It's because he's focused on you. I, I had some late thoughts after I turned in my verses, so this one's not on the screen, but it's from one of my favorite uh, scriptures. Psalm 139, verses one through three. He says, have you looked deep into my heart, Lord? Or he says, you have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I am resting or when I'm working, and from heaven you discover my thoughts. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. When someone discovers your thoughts, it's because they've been thinking about you. Just as he notices everything you do and everywhere you go, you will be aware of his presence in everything you do and everywhere you go. 
That doesn't happen haphazardly. It happens intentionally and it takes energy. This is why I encourage you to establish a, a routine in your day where preferably at the start of the day where you spend some time focusing on God. This is where you read your Bible and you pray. In Mark's gospel, he quotes Jesus as saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind. And Mark adds the word strength. When we show our love to God, we love God practically with all our strength. When you worship God with all your strength, you are using all of your practical abilities for him. In his letter to the Colossians, the apostle Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. Now, if you don't like your boss, then maybe change who you are working for. I'm not talking about changing jobs, but when you change who you're working for, your work can actually become worship. One of our great dangers is that we compartmentalize our lives. That's when you think that you go to church to worship and you, you go out there for your career and then you go over here for your social life. God wants you to invite him into every single area of your life. Everything you do can be turned into an act of worship if you focus on God's presence. The essence of the Christian life can be summed up with this reality. God wants to have a love relationship with you. God made you so that he could love you. God made you to be an object of his love. He wants to have a relationship with you. Now, the most important thing that you can know is that God loves you. The most important thing you can do is love him back. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share six ways. Usually I, usually, I share three, but I'm going to really bust out today. And I'm going to show you six ways to tell God that you love him. And by the end of this time, I hope that you'll feel more loved by God and that you'll be able to discover more ways to express your own love to God in a deeper level of worship. You can express your love. The first one I would mention is something we just did, by singing to him. Now, now a lot of people think that singing is worship and that's it. But there's a whole lot of things we can do that worship him. You've probably noticed that music and love go together because music is supposed to come from the heart. It's something that you, it's not something you do intellectually. It's something you do that, that comes out of your soul. It comes out of your emotions. It touches a deeper spot in your heart. There are many love songs in the world. There are radio stations or, or Pandora or Spotify. They all have stations that are directed toward a love format. But did you know more songs have been written about Jesus Christ than any other person or topic in history? Christianity is a singing religion, a singing faith. Why? It's because Christianity is not about religion. It's about a love relationship with God. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you and he wants you to love him back. King David and a few others wrote the book of Psalms in the Old Testament for use in singing praise to God as a, as a part of worship. I often read a section out of the Psalms in my morning devotions and there are musical references everywhere in the Psalms. Psalm 147, seven says, sing out your thanks to the Lord, sing praises to God. Nothing will make you more aware of God's love and God's presence in your life than singing and praise. 
I know some of you are saying, but you really don't understand, I can't sing. Doesn't matter. Bible says make a joyful noise. As a, as a pastor of 45 years, I've heard a lot of joyful noise in my career, and I don't mind it. In fact, I sing in a choir now where everybody can come, whoever wants to sing. And we've got several very prominent joyful noisers in there. We all, we all take turns sitting next to them so we can stay on our part. <laughs> you know, I know it's easy to come late, and I know it's easy to be somewhere else in the building when the music starts. But when you miss the music at church, you make a big mistake. You need the teaching principles for your head, but you really need the music for your heart. You need to fully worship God. Music inspires, it refreshes, it rejuvenates, it revitalizes us. Music uh, and worship in praise to God has a healing element to it. Often if you're depressed, you really need a song. Can you worship God more than just at church? Obviously you can, because worship is simply expressing your love to God. Now I think it, it was my generation that discovered that you could worship God at the beach or the mountains or in the park by singing to the, the accompaniment of our guitars. Now I'm an old baby boomer and I think I originated everything, so, so that's why I'm throwing that in there. <laughs> so I hear that other generations resent us, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> we no longer had to gather around a piano and organ in a church or, or in a living room, but we recognized that worship could take place anywhere. You can also express your love to God simply by talking to Him. When you really love somebody, you don't just spend time with them, you want to talk to them. Remember when you first fell in love as a teenager and your parents got upset because you were always on the phone? Now it's texting. You, you talked and talked because you were getting to know that person. That's how you get to know anyone, through communication. If your husband and wife never talks to you, you have every reason to wonder, do they still love me? What do you talk to God about if you want to express your love to Him? You literally need to talk to Him about everything that you would talk to your best friend about. Your hopes, your fears, your dreams, your anxieties, the things you're proud of, the things you're ashamed of, your goals, your ambitions, your hurts. Look at this in Psalm 116, verses 1 through 2. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. For some of us, our, our walk with God becomes routine and dull and joyless and lifeless. There's a simple remedy for that. Just start talking to God. When, and then you're, you know, many times you think you're too busy, but you're not. You always have to have the time to talk to Him. I have found a number of places where I just talk to God. I, I, I love to take pictures, and when I go to Rocky Mountain National Park, I usually go early enough so I don't even have to show my card at the entrance, and I just immediately sense God when I look at the, the wonder that He makes, and I talk to Him. It, it's just natural. It's a, it's a place where that flows out of me. Another way to express your love to God is by listening to Him. Listening is one of the greatest gifts you can give to anybody. We all want to be understood. We all want to be listened to. Every time you listen to God, you're saying, God, you matter to me. 
I value what you have to say. Now, listening is one of the most misunderstood and left out parts of prayer. Talking to God is only 50% of prayer. The other 50% of prayer is being quiet and letting God speak to us. Usually we're in too big a hurry to do this. What we do is say, hi God, it's me. I've got 10 things I need from you, thank you. We don't wait, we don't listen, we don't ask. God, do you have anything you wanna say to me? God is speaking to you all the time and he's trying to get your attention, but our lives get so full of noise that we don't often hear him. How does God speak to us? Well, he speaks to us through the Bible. If you're not spending any time getting a grip on God's word by hearing it and reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it with the purpose of applying it to your life, then you won't be able to discern God's voice as he speaks to you through his written word. God speaks through our experiences. We all go through many different experiences in life and God wants to teach us about his ways and go through those experiences with us. God speaks to us through our trials. In tough times, we get so pushed out of the comfort zone that we are finally ready to listen to his voice. God also speaks to us through other people. God will often speak to you through another person when you seek advice of another person intent on fulfilling God's purposes. One caution there, be very careful about who you talk to and who you always listen to. Very important that they also have a good love relationship with God. And then through impressions, he talks to you. If you have a great idea, you need to sometimes think about where you got that idea. God will put ideas in your mind. When you get an idea from God, we call it inspiration. When you get an idea from the devil, we call it temptation. Two very real things. Jesus' followers will be able to listen and hear God speak. In John chapter 10, verses 14 and 16, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. I have other shepherds too, but they are, I have other sheep too, but they are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Are you willing to make the effort to listen for God's voice? He's trying to get your attention, and he will speak to you through one or more of these ways as often as you'll listen to him and stay alert and take action. Another way is you can, you can express your love to God by giving to him. Giving at its core is the very essence of love. You spell love, G-I-V-E, because that's what love is all about. Now, now you can give without loving, but you simply can't love without giving. This is one way to really test the sincerity of your love. Paul was taking an offering for the poor people in Judea, the, the church around Jerusalem. They were starving as a result of a severe famine. And he gave this challenge to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through 8. He said, but since you excel in everything, this was a, a church given to boasting about itself, he said, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. 
I think God does that. He tests the sincerity of our love by looking at our giving. Why does he do that? He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your money. He wants what those represent. They represent your heart. He wants your heart to become like the heart of Jesus. I've discovered that there are basically two kinds of people, cheerful givers and fearful givers. Cheerful givers say, I'm going to give. It all belongs to God anyway. He gave it all to me. I wouldn't have anything without God, so I'm going to give it all to him, and he can take care of my needs. Fearful givers say, I can't afford to give. I've got to protect my interests. I've got to watch out for what's mine. That's selfishness. Remember that God so loved the world that he gave. Cheerful or fearful, you have to make the decision. But we're the ones who need the joy of giving. Giving is as much an act of worship as singing, praying, thanking, or listening. It's saying, God, I love you so much that I want to give back to you. You saved my life, I want to give back to you. Everything we have comes from God. Another way is, is uh, you can express your love to God by being committed to him. Love is all about commitment. You don't really love somebody unless you're committed to his or her best. Your commitments determine your future. You are becoming whatever you're committed to. So you better choose your commitments carefully. You, 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 can't, uh, you can't lose, really, by being committed to God. Weak people are often defined by their circumstances. They're just kind of blown about by what's going on around them. But strong people are defined by their commitments. What does it mean to be fully committed to God? It means to be committed to God's purposes. We're talking today about worship, but this is not, this is not something that just happens inside these four walls. Worship can happen anywhere. Your whole life can worship God. The Apostle Paul made a call for commitment to the church in Rome. I love this passage when I discovered it in the Message Bible. It gives us a, a contemporary feel. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you could do for him. Commit your life to God. I know that personally, committing my life to God is a daily thing. It isn't a one-time thing and then I'm done. It's something I have, to, I have to do every day. I need to talk about that and tell God every day that I'm committed to him. The last thing I wanna mention, you can express your God to love by publicly identifying with him, by publicly identifying with him. You can't love Jesus and be ashamed of him at the same time or be secretive about that relationship. Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory. Jesus understood the, the power of symbolism if you, if you look at the entire Jewish history, their history is, is all in their celebrations that they do. There's symbolism there all the way through. And Jesus understood that. 
And he gave two symbols to identify you and me to others. As a Christ follower, baptism identifies you. What's baptism all about? Well, it's actually a visual acting out of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul makes this point in almost every letter he wrote. Here's what he wrote to the, to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 12. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Think about this. Remember that it wasn't Jesus in a manger. It wasn't Jesus feeding 5,000. It wasn't even Jesus hanging on a cross that turned those first Christ followers into the mighty army that they were. It was the resurrection of Jesus. That's what did it. In baptism, we are raised up out of the water as a sign that we are resurrected with Jesus. Baptism is also a testimony to your family and friends that you have left your old way behind. You're saying, I'm now dead to my old sins. They're forgiven. They're forgotten. They're out of my life. I have begun a brand new life in Christ. Paul gives another take on this new life in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 27. He said, you were baptized into union with Christ, and now you are clothed so to speak, with the life of Christ himself. It's always interesting to get new clothes. You, you shop, you buy them because they make you feel good and hopefully they make you look good. I'm not sure there's much I can do anymore, but that used to be my motivation at least. But when you, when you put on Christ, it is him that other people see when they look at you. And you feel good about that. Jesus is your new identity. A second thing here is, as a Christ follower, communion identifies you. Communion, also known as the Lord's Supper, helps us to identify what Jesus did for us. I like the term communion a lot because it, it speaks of a deep fellowship that we have with Jesus and with each other as we partake of the bread and the cup. Paul says this in Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? We are bound together in a unique way as we participate in this memorial of the death and the passion of Jesus on our behalf. As we celebrate communion, I want you to thank him for three things today. Jesus paid for your forgiveness. Think of the thing that caused you the most shame in your life. And now thank God that because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that's been paid for. That's forgiven. It's as if it never happened in God's mind. Jesus paid for your freedom. Think of the freedom that you have because of the changes that Christ made in your life. Thank him that he gives you the power to change. You have the freedom from sin, guilt, condemnation, bitterness, envy, and fear. You have freedom to offer love and grace and forgiveness to yourself and to those around you. Also, Jesus paid for your future. Think of your future in heaven because of the sacrifice of Christ. Thank him for that eternal future. As we take communions, we do several things. 
We publicly identify our faith in Christ. We publicly identify our love for Christ. We publicly state that we want to be closer to Christ. So what should your attitude be when you take the Lord's Supper or communion? It should be an attitude of gratitude. Gratefulness for all that Jesus has done. Before you even knew God, he loved you so much that he sent his son to come and die on a cross for your sins. Because of what Jesus did for us, we can know and love God. We can center our lives on him. We can worship him everywhere we go. Things will never be the same again. We're different people. We're forgiven people. We're clothed with Christ. So be thankful. Here's the bottom line. God wants you to worship him. Worship means you express your love to God. There are many ways to express your love to God. We, we looked at six of them. But it all starts by committing to a relationship with God. In a moment, you are invited to come down these, these side aisles here to either, uh, on either side, there will be a, a server at each of those points. And uh, you, you can take a piece of bread and dip it into the juice. I'll say this represents God's broken body for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. You may answer with the words, thanks be to God, and then return to your seats by the side aisles. There's also uh, gluten-free bread in the middle, and you can use the juice that's in the middle in the center of the tray. For those unable to come forward, our communion usher will come back to you. Just make some eye contact or raise a hand. She'll be looking for you. Our servers are, our servers are going to receive communion first, and then you're free to come. My friends, this is the Lord's table. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, you are welcome here. To this table come people who have much and people who have little, people who are strong and people who are weak, people who know much about God and people just beginning to learn, people who've come to church all their lives and people who are here maybe for the first time, people who know they are blessed and people who aren't quite sure. Because this is not our table, it's the Lord's table. And the same Jesus Christ who died for all people welcomes all people to come and see and taste that God is good. Communion is a reminder of what God has done for us through the life and death and resurrection of his son. The God who created us is the God who forgives us and takes care of us. The God who calls us to wholeness and everlasting life with Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit here and now, as we share this bread and this cup, we celebrate the love that binds us to one another as brothers and sisters in the family of God. So it is that all who trust Jesus, whether a little or a lot, and want to trust him more, are invited to come and be part of this feast he has prepared. Scripture tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed took bread and, then he had, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. As you bow your head, if, if you've never opened your life to God, would you pray just the first portion of this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say something like this. Jesus, today I've realized what you did for me on the cross. And I realize that I'll never be able to repay what you've done for me. I realize that everything I have is a gift from you. Please forgive me for not trusting you in every area and every moment of my life. Today I want to trust my life to you. Help me learn to worship you all the time by letting the way I live be an expression of my love to you. Thank you, Father, for the change that you've made in our lives. Thank you for the privilege of living as resurrected people. It is our joy to worship you today at this time of communion. We do this in remembrance of Jesus' death and resurrection. We do this as an expression of our love for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.